0: We're going to read verses 36 through 51, and what we're doing, we, we're in the middle of Jesus' private teaching to his disciples about what the end of the world will be like, what to expect, how to live in light of the, the end of the world. The big, the big word, the technical word is eschatology, what you believe will happen in the future at the end, and so Jesus is going to help us, help us get ready, help us stay awake um, Help us live in a world that says right now is all that matters. And so let's read. read what Jesus has to teach us. We'll pray and we'll look at this. This is God's word. But concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven nor the Son, but the Father only. As were the days of Noah, well, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Who then is the faithful and wise servant, whom his master has set over his household to give them their food at the proper time? Blessed is the servant, whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that wicked servant says to himself, my master is delayed, and he begins to beat his fellow servants and eat and drinks with drunkards, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, and at an hour he does not know, and will cut him in pieces and put him with the hypocrites. And in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And this is God's word. It is true, trustworthy, and given in love. Let's pray. Uh, Father God, I pray you would help us awaken to reality, open our eyes to see Jesus, uh, we need your help, uh, we need your help to be not, avoid becoming complacent, and then to respond with the good news of the gospel, uh, to be obedient, to passionately pursue your will, and to uh, not live like we don't know what's going to happen. And so for that, Lord, we need your Holy Spirit to come to teach us, to change us, to give us a desire to want to do what you've called us to do. And so show us the grace that motivates us to obey, in Jesus' name, amen. I don't know if you've noticed, if you've read the Gospels, but it's, it surprised me, especially here in Matthew. It's just how often Jesus is talking about when he will come back again. How often he's talking about hell, how often he's talking about judgment, how often he is just bringing up all these things that we hate to talk about in public <laughs> as Christians today. Because right? over and over again, he says, I'm going to judge the living and the dead, everyone that will face judgment. Hell is this real thing. This is Jesus, the Lord of love, talked about hell over and over again, especially in this section and then he says, I'm coming at any time, you don't know when, my, my return is imminent, so you need to be ready. And that's going to affect how you live day in and day out as you wait for Jesus to come back. And so what we did last time was just look at what Jesus said will happen before he comes back, that you can be certain that because... Because life is so hard, all the tribulations you face, everything from wars, famines, Christians giving up, tapping out, bad teachers, all those things, they're just labor pains. They're proof that the end is coming. All right? So be certain, don't panic. And then this morning, what we're going to do is is, is look at the idea that we know Jesus is coming, but we don't know when, so we have to be ready. And... uh, That's the big idea. Right now, we live in a world that you can just describe it as tribulation. This is the great tribulation, all the suffering we are going through. But at some point, when nobody's expecting it, Jesus is going to snap his fingers, so to speak, show up, and make all things sad come untrue as he restores all things. And so the things we have to hold together that's really difficult and what I want to look at with you this morning it's this idea, Jesus' return is imminent. It's like his hand is on the door to earth, ready to turn and open it and walk through, but we don't know when. Right? It's imminent, it's close. It's all the, all the checklists of things that need to happen before he comes back. That's all been ticked. So now we're just waiting. But we have no idea when. How do you live in that tension? Where Jesus clearly knew that he didn't know when, he said that, Meaning, brace yourself, this could be a while. But don't be be lazy while you wait. Don't be complacent, don't get comfortable. And this really is the hard part because not only do we live in a secular culture where we don't like to talk about end things, um, all the pressure is on us just to put all of our time and energy focused on right now, on this world. And so we, we have to hold these things in tension, right? We live in a secular age, under the tyranny of this idea that everything you are going through right now matters more than anything else. It's crushing. Just turn on the TV. I mean, don't, turn it off. But (laughs) just all the chaos in our culture of the last couple weeks tells you, right? If you you turn on whatever channel you're turning on, they're telling you in some form or another the world is coming to an end right now based on what you think, no pressure. And then we say things like, YOLO, you only live once, so don't screw it up. Live a life worth living, a life worth bragging about. Have more toys than the person next to you, all these bumper sticker things. And so we have to wonder as we come to Jesus' teaching, telling us to not put all of our time and energy into this world, even as we live in this world, how do you do that? How do you hold in the tension that Jesus is coming? I have all this pressure right here to, to not think about the future and not be lazy and not be complacent. All right. And I know it sounds like when Jesus says you have to think about heaven always, continually, regularly, it makes it sound like our, our life doesn't matter here on earth. And it's actually, I'm hoping you're going to see this morning, it's the complete opposite. It's because you think about heaven more than anything else. Your life now becomes that much more meaningful. And so let's look at this. How do we live in light of the second coming of Jesus? He says three things here, stay awake, and be ready, and, and then be faithful. So stay awake is point one. It's helpful to remember that Jesus is telling these things to Christians. He's talking to his disciples. He's telling them what to expect, I mean, this applies to everybody, but this is a private tutorial session between Jesus and his disciples. And in verse 42, he he assumes we're going to fall asleep, that we're going to get stuck in this world and forget that he's coming back. He assumes we're going to suffer from eternity amnesia, right? Because he says, stay awake. In verse 44, you need to be ready. This is a call to action. He's saying, Jesus, Jesus is saying, I will come when no one expects it. And it's going to be just like the days of Noah, Everyone's going to be living their ordinary lives. They're going to be eating. They're going to be drinking. They're going to be marrying. They're going to be obsessing over who to marry. and They're going to be working long days in the sun. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, judgment's going to come. Jesus will return. That's how to think about it. And so you remember, Noah himself was doing the same things. He just had a different view on, on what he was living, right? Noah got married. He obviously ate and drank. He lived a long time. Um, he was working, he, but he knew that the end was coming and it affected how he looked at those things. Right? He was fully awake to the reality that God was coming back, that God was going to come down. And of course, in Noah's day, it was all judgment, unless you were Noah and his family, which was all grace. All right? And the way Noah lived in light of the future, he, he did something crazy. He built a boat in the desert. <laughs> and that's how we sound today when we talk about Jesus coming back. And so the temptation for us, for every believer, every human being, just living in this world, Jesus knows that you're just going to get lulled to sleep as you live your life in, in terms of eternal things. Monday comes every week. Emails pile up. If you have kids, there are always diapers, laundry, um, someone to discipline, activities to go to. We're always feeling lonely. So we're in that pursuit of friendships and relationships. And Jesus is telling us, just like the days of Noah, he's talking to believers, don't be surprised when Jesus comes back. Because what happens is you get into the the mundane, the everyday, just, just what it means to be human. We fall asleep. We stop thinking about the future that Jesus says will come. And then all of a sudden, what matters more than anything else is moving up in my career which isn't a bad thing, but it can become an ultimate thing. All that matters is finding a spouse or dealing with my singleness. All that matters is my busyness. And we forget about the future. And then all of a sudden, as you obsess over your life right now, as I do too, Jesus' second coming starts to sound like a fairy tale. It starts to sound more implausible, or at least it becomes lower on the priority list. Don't be like the days of Noah. All right? And so I think that's what Jesus is getting at here. Just like in Noah's day. We're too busy to worry about this stuff. So we don't. We stop thinking about it. And he's talking to believers. And so here's what happens. And here's there's something about ordinary life, and this is what I really want to stretch your brain here, that's actually crying out for this life to be more than right now. Right? Because if all that matters for you is right now, all your worries, your concerns about work, family, career, um, if you put all the pressure of eternity on right now, it's going to crush you. We know that judgment is coming. We are longing for it. Our heart, Eternity is written in our hearts, as it says in Ecclesiastes. And just like Noah's day, to live like this world is not coming to an end. It's just to live... Um, Live with our heads in the sand, as if this world's going to live forever and my life's going to live forever, and we know that's not true. All right. So here's one helpful example: someone who who's thought about these things, a guy named Leo Tol- Tolstoy. I'm one of those guys who haven't read it, but I like to talk about him so I sound smarter than I am. But I have read some of his Confessions. <laughs> it's like 90 pages instead of 9,000. But what Tolstoy did, right? He was a Russian author. He's famous. Around the age of 50. He's one of the most famous guys on the planet. He's arrived. Right? His work life is good. His relational life is good. His peers name him as the best author in the world. Dostoevsky, a decent writer on his own, says he's the most beloved Russian. uh, Ch- Chike, uh the, the musician guy. I'm, I just completely butchered it. in blank. But he says he's the greatest writer ever known. So you could say his work life is going well. He says, I have a wife that loves me. I have kids that look up to me. I've got a pile of money. And then at 50, he just got broadsided by depression and despair as he started to think about reality. And here's what he says. My life came to a standstill, and it all happened when I had a wife who loved me, good children, a large house without much effort on my part. I was respected more than any other time. My name was famous, but I could give no reason to any action Or purpose to my whole life. I was only surprised I never thought about it at the beginning. Today or tomorrow, he says, sickness and death will come to those I love or to me. Nothing will remain but stench and worms. Sooner or later my affairs, whatever they may be, will be forgotten and I will not exist. This is somebody famous saying that. So why go on making effort? How could I fail to see this before? And that's what was surprising. One can live while one is intoxicated with this life. But as soon as one becomes sober, it's impossible to see, it's impossible not to see that all of life is this fraud and a stupid fraud. There's nothing either amusing nor witty about it. All right. Cheer up. <laughs> you know, I want to be honest, right? This is the days of Noah. People living only for their lives right now. This is us. This is not an Eeyore way of looking at it. This is just the reality that, that everybody dies. Uh, that the solar system will burn up, and all of the noonday genius, every, all the great things, will one day just fade into nothingness. And Tolstoy's saying, "Why didn't I think about this 50 years ago?" And all he's asking is, "What is the point of life without the last judgment? What's the point of feasting, friendships, and fame without eternity?" Because when I sober up, when I when I look at life honestly. If there is no second coming, if there is no eternity, it actually takes away the beauty of this life. It takes away the enjoyment of your work. It takes away the enjoyment of your friends. It takes away just the enjoyment of all of God's good gifts if you ignore eternity. Because that's a temptation to think that Jesus coming back is silly and impractical and, and you're not going to care about your life and you're just going to be weird. And that's what everybody said in Noah's day before the flood came. That's how Tolstoy felt until all of a sudden reality hit him like a ton of bricks. They fell asleep working, marrying, partying, enjoying life. They never stopped to say, what am I here for? And so to avoid being surprised, we have to look at the world honestly. We have to think like Noah, that while people are feasting and rejoicing in this life, we have a measure of sobriety. We, are, we know this is great, it's a good gift, but there are better things to come. That even the best meal, the best party, the best romance, they're just a taste, a small glimpse of what will come. You know, or, Woody Allen would say this. Right? He'd be at a great basketball game and see a great athlete and say, you know, that 28-year-old kid, this is the best his life will ever be. Very pessimistic, but he's being honest. Right? And so the, the command here from Jesus is wake up to the reality of coming judgment. It changes everything. Are you awake? Are you thinking about it? Or are you living as all these things are the only things that matter? Right? In light of how we think about every other part of our lives, right? if you want to be at the top of your career, you, you, you plan for it. You train for it. You go to school. You pass all the right tests. Right? If you want to be an athlete, if you want to run the New York City Marathon, you don't go from couch potato to running 26 miles. You train for it. So if you know what the end will be like, we're called to, to prepare ourselves, to train our minds, to train our eyes, to see the world, knowing what will come. So plan ahead. Jesus is coming back. That's the idea. Judgment day is coming. Are you awake? Or is your life lulling you to sleep? Because otherwise, everything we do right now is just entertainment until we die. That is what uh, one, I can't remember what what school he's at, but it's one professor just said that's what hope is in this life. Just keeping yourself busy until you die. And So what we're called to do here in light of the coming judgment is to ask hard questions. If you're not a Christian and you've, you've not thought about the Christian worldview and maybe you thought it was laughable, you have to think about it. If there is no God, then my beginning had no purpose and my ending that had no purpose. And in the middle, we're just trying to pretend like it has purpose. And that's a lot of pressure to make right now amazing. <laughs> that's like working for Pharaoh. No straw, make bricks. And so what happens is Jesus says, don't be lulled to sleep. I am coming. It's going to be like the days of Noah. No one knows when it's coming. But what it does is it actually make right now matter more than anything else. Because look at it. You go all the way back to creation. God made, this is eating, relationships, and work. That's just life in the Garden of Eden. This is how life ought to be in God's presence. He, God made food taste good. He commands us to feast with Him. He's humble enough to say, it's not good for you to be alone. You need friendships. And He gives us the job of working hard to care for His world. So these are not bad things, but the moment you make them your life is when you're in danger. All right? These things are designed to be done out of gratitude because God is a good God, a giver of every good gift. And as soon as you make... Good things, ultimate things, it's a recipe to be blindsided, to say, I never knew, where did this come from? Even though deep down we know. And so Jesus says, then two men will be left in a field, or be in a field, one will be taken, one will be left. Two women will be at the work, workforce, grinding at the mill, one will be taken and one left. Stay awake because you don't know when the Lord is coming. I don't know if that freaks you out or frustrates you. <laughs> I hope It's hopeful. it's helpful. But I know it's frustrating because if it sounds like Jesus is saying, this world's going to pass away. So why should we care about our life now? Or maybe it's frightening because you've come from a church tradition where you talk about the rapture. Maybe that's what you hear when you you hear these verses. If you're not a Christian, you don't have a clue what I'm talking about, that's fine. There's a movie with Nick Cage and it and Kirk Cameron um, that tells you a lot about it. But Jesus here, this is where we want to stretch your brains here. For This is helpful Christian theology. Jesus is not saying there will be a coming secret rapture. Because everything he said about his coming up to this point is that it's going to be public. It's going to be obvious. You can't miss it. It's going to be like lightning in the sky across the whole world. But some of us have read Left Behind, myself included. Right? We put Tim LaHaye's kids through college. Um, my parents made me watch the movies. I think they repented later. <laughs> but here's what the rapture teaches. The rapture teaches that Jesus will secretly come back and you have this glimpse of, of the, the believers will be beamed up and disappear in a moment in a blink of an eye. And the unbelievers will be left to live in the midst of the tribulation uh, to get another chance to repent. And, uh, and it's going to be hard. And that's what the movies illustrate. Maybe you've seen them, right? If all of a sudden the Christian helicopter pilot's beamed up and the helicopter crashes, or the, the Christian, there's just a pile up on I-87 because Christians were on the way to work and now they're not. They're in heaven. But just read read what Jesus says here carefully with me. Right? Do you want to be like those who were taken away in Noah's day? When God's judgment surprised everyone. Who was who was swept away when in judgment, when Noah's day. It was bad news to be raptured in Noah's day. Because those left behind on earth were those saved by grace, Noah and his family. Believers were left behind to enjoy the new, the new creation after the flood. And so I just want to encourage you when, when you read this, don't freak out about the future. If you are a Christian, it's good news. Jesus is coming to rescue you. And he's going to do it in a way where you, you will not be missed. He's sending his angels to collect his loved ones it says in verse uh, uh, earlier in chapter 24 in verse 20, 31 right it's good to be left behind if if you haven't heard this before this is going to be a category buster you can you can talk to me later but it means you've been claimed by grace saved through faith and so Jesus uses this metaphor to wake us up to say you don't know when it's going to come but when I come I will not leave you behind I'm not going to forget you. It's not going to be a secret. So it means we can ignore those, the, the crackpots who say, I know Jesus is coming and it's on this day. Because those people are putting themselves above Jesus and the angels. Uh, and you can ignore those who say that, that this life doesn't matter if you believe in this stuff, because it does. Think of Noah's day. It's a dim, what happened after judgment? It's a dim picture of the new creation because Noah turned out to be just like us. But those saved by grace were put back on the earth to eat, uh, to work, to marry, to care for the world. It's just like a new Adam, a new creation. This life still matters. And it's just a picture of what will happen at the end. Because Adam sinned, blew up creation, Noah sinned, It's pointing to the need for a better Adam, a better Noah, who will go through God's judgment, eradicate our selfishness, so that we can enjoy God's good creation in his world, in fellowship with God. This life matters. God's not giving up on the earth. That's what that rainbow is for. It's to remind you that God so loved the world, the cosmos, that he's not going to destroy that when he deals with sin. It's good news. And it's at his cost. It's a war bow. It's pointed back up at heaven. It's a sign of grace. All right? So stay awake. Jesus is coming back in judgment to renew the earth so that we might feast and fellowship with God and with one another in a new world. And so now, be ready. All right? If everything matters and we know the end and that we should prepare for it, how do you do that if you don't know when he's coming? On the one hand, it's telling you that every thought, word, and deed, every meal, every relationship, every vacation, every conversation, every act in your life on this planet bears the eternal weight of glory. It matters more than we realize. You're either getting a taste of heaven or the condemnation that will come. But be ready. And Jesus tells us how, how to think about this. If you want to be a Christian and live well in this world knowing that Jesus has come, you need to think about it. Like, like, you've been told that a thief is coming to break into your life, into, the, into your house, right? Verse, look at verse 43. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake, and he would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready. For the Son of Man, this is Jesus, is coming in an hour you do not expect. And so it's just a picture. A homeowner knows a thief is coming. And like any of us who cares about our stuff, you you don't say, oh, here you go. You you wake up, you stay up all night. He he doesn't tell you, he doesn't send you a postcard, I'm coming to break into your house at 3 a.m. No, the the owner of the house has to just stay alert, be ready, because this guy's going to come. And and that's how we're supposed to think about the second coming, is just pay attention. It will happen, it is certain, it's been promised. But think about it like, like you've been warned. A thief is coming. Right, when Bethany and I lived in Jackson, Mississippi, we lived in a bad neighborhood. Right, our first week, we were woken up to gunshots in the middle of the night. So we locked the door, right? And my wife was extra prepared. She was more prepared than I. Because right, one, one of my travels, I collected a Maasai sword. Um, it's just a machete, basically. But the sheath is so tight, I can barely get it off. But it's just this giant metal stick. That she said, I don't feel safe, so I'm going to sleep with it. And so it was on our side of the bed. She knows I'm talk- talking about this. We talked about it ahead of time. <laughs> right, so if we knew a thief was coming, right, I'm going to take that from her and prepare myself. All right, spread the word. <laughs> we don't have to sleep with that here now, but just, just to be clear. <laughs> but that's the whole point. If you know a thief is coming, it changes the way you live your life. And if you know that Jesus is coming... That means eternal things matter. That means heaven is real, and it's going to affect the way you live. You'll listen to Jesus' words differently. All right? So live like God's judgment will come like a thief in the night. Be ready. All right? Now, here's how you do that, and this is how we're going to end. Did you know that Jesus already came as a thief? on this earth. Right? That, that's how you can describe his whole first coming. He is a thief. And because what motivates to us to be ready for Jesus' return is that he has already come as a thief, but he came as a thief, and we call him Savior. Right? I'm not making this up. All right? he, didn't come not, he didn't come first as a judge. He came to be judge. He came as a thief to plunder us from this world. This is Matthew chapter 12. Jesus already taught this, but he, he describes this world as us being trapped in this present evil age under the, the evil's dominion, under Satan's rule. And he says this, describing himself, how can anyone enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man, and then he indeed may plunder his house? So you see here, it's actually more than a thief. Jesus is... is uh, a warrior on a, on a SWAT Navy SEAL rescue mission, right? Just combined too many things, but it's this idea. He's a strong man, and he's coming to rescue us, and he did so as a thief. And in the Old Testament, we were told he was going to come. We just didn't know when or what he looked like. But in order to protect us, in order to deliver us out of this present evil age from, from not to keep us from suffering in this life, but to protect us from suffering in the next, he came down like a thief. And you know how he did it? Eating and drinking to the glory of God, attending weddings, working a blue collar job for 30 years, right? giving value to all forms of work, all motivated so that he might spend eternity with us. That was his goal, motivated by God's glory and our good. And so when Jesus, the Son of Man, came, he came as a thief to rescue us from this world so that we might live in it well. <laughs> the right? Problem was, Israel was sleeping, they weren't awake, no one was ready, they didn't, res- they didn't recognize him, and so he came not to judge, but to be judged, to take our sins away. And that's really how you, you stay awake, that's how you be ready. Just put your faith in Christ as Savior, because you are, if he went to all this effort to rescue you at the cost of his own blood, how could he forget you when he comes back again we are his plunder his treasure he came like a thief in the night to steal us out of the darkness and bring us into the marvelous light this is all of grace I mean you think about everything we talked about putting all of our hopes and dreams on right now we confessed it as human beings we can't not do that we're sinners and so Jesus came to rescue us from putting all of our hopes and dreams on on eating, on working, on enjoying this life, by giving us the promise of a better one to come here on earth. (laughs) You're saying, well, he hasn't showed up yet. You're right. He he did tell us that we don't know when he's going to come. But one of the things Peter says is don't overlook this one fact, that with the Lord one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is like one day. He's not slow to fulfill his promise. He's patient toward you. He doesn't want anyone to miss out. He doesn't wish that any would perish, but that all would reach repentance, that all would enjoy life as it should be. So are you awake? Are you ready? This is the conclusion here. Judgment Day is actually good news. It helps give meaning to your life right now. It's motivation to live well in God's world. And it's all about grace. All right, so let me ask you just a couple hard questions. Because are you busy because you bought the lie of the secular age that we have to do everything now to live a life worth living? See, what Jesus is telling you is Judgment Day is setting you free if you've come through it in Christ. All right, it's setting you free. It's okay to say no. It's okay to not be busy. It's okay to not have as cool a bucket list as the person next to you. It's okay to sacrifice some of the good things in this life because you know even better things are to come. All right. And do you know how to use the good things that happen to us in our world just to remind you of the second coming? That's what we're going to do here in a moment. We're going to eat. This is why Christians in the early church were always eating. They were eating and drinking together. They were called love feasts as they proclaimed to the world the death of Jesus until he returns. Every meal is a reminder that Jesus will come back. Every day at your job is a reminder that what you do will endure into eternity. That what you do in Christ will, will endure. Your relationships, what makes relationships so beautiful is the fact that Jesus says, I'm bringing you and your friends said so you know how to do that so what do you do while you wait for that now that that's next week so come back because <laughs> that's what the rest of these parables are about is okay he may come at any time what do i do in the meantime there's too much to cram in one one week but look heidelberg catechism says the second coming of jesus christ is a comfort you can eagerly await the judge from heaven because he has set you free from all god's judgment And that same person who was judged on the cross, who took the pain, who submitted himself to the judgment of God for my sake and has removed all the curse from me, that that judge is going to come back, cast all his and my enemies into everlasting condemnation. And he would take us, me, into his heavenly joy and glory. And it actually says, it'll lift up your head. Grace lifts up your head. And so that's what we're going to do this morning as we get to taste and see that the Lord is good, eating and drinking, remembering that suffering, sin, abuse, and cruelty will not have the last word. They are reminders. Jesus is coming, and he paid the price to come for you. Let's pray. Father, I don't know um, everybody's heart's here, but you do. And so I just pray that the, that the second coming of Jesus would be a comfort uh, for believers, that uh, you would take away our fear of, of our Savior, our Captain and our King, coming to rescue us. And if there are those who do not know you, I pray that the second coming would, would bring a holy fear that leads them to run to the, into the crucified arms of our Savior, who loves us more than we can imagine. And so as we come to the table, I, Lord, I pray you would... Uh, Convict us of our sin and set us free by your grace and help us to get a glimpse of that great day in the future. In Jesus' name, amen.